welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And this week, we have my friend Goli Kalkaran joining us. Goli is the host of the Lessons from a Quitter podcast, where I've had the privilege of being a guest. And I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Hey, Goli. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, girl. I'm so excited to have you on. I know we are going to have so much to talk about, mainly because your message is lessons from a quitter. And I think I've quit everything this year. (laughs) And so we're going to just talk, but I am really excited aside from that for the Radiant Tribe to get to know you. You have an incredible podcast, an incredible message. And so I'm really excited for them to hear your story, but selfishly me too to hear your story. So can you dive in? Of course, I would love to. I'm honored to be here and I'm so excited um, to share my story. I hope it, you know, can help anybody because I'm certain that uh, a lot of people felt the way I did. So I was your quintessential type A, risk averse, good student, just like head down, blinders on, going through school. And I always say like, um, you know, praise and success is a hell of a drug because when you are, I guess, I don't know, lucky enough to be good in school, you just kind of follow that path that people lay out for you. You know, you just take the test, you do well, and you just keep moving forward. And so I never questioned anything. I just kind of, um, I knew I was going to go to college. I knew I was going to even go to grad school. And what's funny is, you know, I was that weird, like 10 or 11 year old that knew I wanted to be a lawyer. Like I had decided when I was a child that I was going to be a lawyer and that was it. And I don't really even know how that got in my head, but I really never even questioned it from that young of an age. It was just, um, that had become my goal. And so I just worked for the, you know, until I was 27, I went through, um, college. I got into a a incredible law school and I went to law school and I did well in law school. And I, you know, it wasn't really until I graduated law school and I started working as a lawyer that, the first time, like I really kind of looked around and started thinking, oh my God, like, what if I don't like this? Like, I I don't think that I meant for this. And that was just a really like hard place to be because I didn't know anything else and I had never worked for anything else. And I, you know, I think a lot of times we get really stuck on this, like sunk cost. It's like, I had spent all this time and all this money. Like I went to so much debt for law school and I didn't really even let myself entertain that thought. Like I just thought, okay, maybe I don't like this job. I have to find a job that aligns with what I want to do. And, you know, I ended up practicing law for about seven years. I was at first at a big law firm and I knew that that kind of law wasn't going to be for me even going into it. So it was easy to kind of justify like, well, maybe I should get a job in like the public sector and nonprofit work. And and I ended up becoming a public defender, which I thought was going to be my dream job. And when I got there and I was like, this still like, I don't like it. I don't like the day to day work. 
um, I felt, I don't know, I felt like my soul was dying a little bit every day. You know, I know that sounds maybe dramatic, but I just, I just felt like, you know, I, I dreaded going to work. I had yeah. like anxiety on Sunday nights. I was working like really long hours and I just felt really unhappy. And you know, what's funny is I still didn't even question leaving law. I mean, it was so tied to my identity by that point. Like I was a lawyer. Everyone knew me as a lawyer. I'd always wanted to be a lawyer that I, I never even considered that I could do anything else. And it wasn't until I had my first son and I went went on maternity leave and we, it just so happened that we ended up moving states when I was on maternity leave. So I had to quit my job to move back to California. And it was when I was looking for work in California as a lawyer and like every application, like every job listing that I would read, I would just get this like nauseous feeling. I would I just have this like pit in my stomach and just think like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be doing this. And it took a really long time and a lot of conversations with my husband about, you know, me complaining about like how I don't want to do any of these jobs and him planting the seed, God bless him, like saying, well, you know, if you don't like it this much, like, why don't you do something else? And I remember rolling my eyes. Like the first time you said that. And I was like, what do you mean do something else? Like, this is what I do. I'm a lawyer, you know? And it, it but it took that to really start like, getting me to question, like, can I do something else? Can I just walk away? What would that look like? What would I even do? What do I even like? You know? And so that really kind of started me on this year long journey of really admitting to myself that I wanted to quit and figuring out like what I was going to even do next. Wow. All right. So, okay. So what was next? So it was, again, it's been, you know, a a journey. It has been now like five years. So for that first year, I feel like I used, I I hate saying this. uh, I don't feel like I used my son as an excuse, but I think I had, because I just had like a newborn at home, I didn't have to tell everybody right away that I was quitting law. I didn't have to like, and it really took me a long time to really wrap my head around telling people and dealing with the natural reaction that I was going to get. Like, are you crazy? You know, like you're leaving this successful career. You could, you know, you've worked this hard. And so for a long time, I just like avoided that by saying like, oh, I'm just taking some time to be at home with my son, even though like behind the scenes, I knew like I'm like frantically trying to figure out like what I'm going to do next. And so um, that gave me a little bit of cushion. And I really took that year. And I, what I did was like, I just gave myself space to try everything because I honestly, like I had been, I had pushed down what I, you know, all of the, my, I guess, intuition and all the things that I actually liked for so long that I didn't know what I liked. Like, I really felt like I had no other passions. I felt like I had no other skills. And so I felt really lost as like, it wasn't as though I had like a natural ability for art or something that I was like, Oh, I'm going to clearly go into this if I quit law. And so I just gave myself a couple of months where I started going to like random meetup events. I just really wanted to like find out what other people were doing, like what other jobs are out there. I would talk to other lawyers that had transitioned to other things. I was Googling like everything. I was on LinkedIn trying to find what other people's jobs were. I just like gave myself some space to even figure out like, what would that next step be? What do I like? And in that time, it was really strange. Like I just happened to like start listening to podcasts for like a very rant. I think it was just more like entertaining podcasts. And then somehow that got me into more like personal development and business podcasts. And that really started like sparking an interest in 
starting my own thing and doing like getting into entrepreneurship, which I never thought I would want. Like I always said, I'm horrible. I, I don't have like a business mind. I don't, I never, I was like a risk averse person. And so it was really interesting to me that those were the podcasts that were getting me the most excited. And so I started going to meetup groups that were um, related to entrepreneurship and startup, uh, the startup scene in Orange County. And, you know, long story long, I ended up creating a product. Um, and this just happened, you know, over that year, I was coming up to my son's first birthday and I wanted to make a photo booth. We, we have large, a lot of parties in my family and we were going to have a large birthday party for him. And I wanted to make a photo booth that, you know, I didn't want to spend a ton of money. I wanted to make something simple. That was just fun. And that just like kind of took me down this rabbit hole of finding like there isn't anything on the market and talking to my husband about creating something. And so we started making like this makeshift photo booth. And once we'd made it and it was like this huge success, I kept thinking like, I could do something with this. I could, you know, other people I know would want this. So like, how can I turn this into a business? And so then that led me to creating my first business, which was, which is called Ussie Booth, U-S-I-E Booth. I still run that. Um, you can check it out at ussiebooth.com. Yeah. But yeah, so we just, we right now mostly rent um, in Southern California. And we also lease to like um, corporations and restaurants and, and uh, storefronts and things like that. But so, yeah, so it just kind of got me on this path of going to entrepreneurship. Wow. So I love something you said, you know, I know that you had just had a baby um, and that gave you some time and space, but ultimately you took time and space to figure it out. And I think that I just had a conversation like this yesterday um, in the sense that like, it's so hard when we lay something down, when we leave something that we know is no longer aligned because we've been dreading it or, you know, it's just been sucking the life of, out of us for whatever reason. Maybe it was something mm -hmm. we once loved and we no longer do, or maybe it's just, you know, time for a change. And right. I think for me in my, a very significant season of pivoting, what we don't think about and what we don't hear in those big success stories when we read a major entrepreneur's memoir right. is during those pivots, there's also often some really slow mm -hmm. seasons in the middle there. And in, in hindsight, it can look like, wow, they just laid this big thing down and moved straight into the thing right. that took off and led them right. to fullness, happiness, success everything. Right. But often like right in that middle place is a really quiet, slow season. Um, how was that for you? Were you nervous, anxious about what was next? Were you kind of grasping at straws? Did you give yeah. yourself true permission to be? Um, right. I know for me personally, that's been really challenging and yeah. only in hindsight enough. Am I like, Whoa, I needed that season of rest. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. I, I love that you bring this up because yeah, always looking back on hindsight, I wish I gave myself a true season of rest. I wish, you know, going back, especially at the time, because I had, had a newborn, I wish I was a little more gentler with myself and I let myself just experience that time and enjoy it and, you know, know that I would figure it out. I wish I could say I was like that. I wasn't. I do think, um, I'm really proud of myself that I still gave myself the chance to experiment because even that is really unlike me. But, um, in the back of my mind, you know, my, like our monkey minds are just like trained to go all the time. And I think yeah. when you're making a big pivot and especially at the time, like I hadn't really been doing a lot of inner work and a lot of like personal development stuff and really trying to observe my own thoughts and figure out like, you know, what is serving me and what is not. And so 
what I had at the time was just a constant loop of, oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We have to figure it out. What are we going to do? You know, and like, what's the next step? Like, I, I, And so I did have that going, but I think that, you know, one, having a newborn forced me to like kind of be more still, like be in the house and not be able to run around doing a, a ton of things. So I think I had more downtime. Um, not that it's downtime having a newborn, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I had more time where like, I couldn't be working on projects. I couldn't be starting businesses. Like totally. I had to kind of like sit and nurse, you know? And so, um, I, I did have that. And I do think I, I, because I was really starting from a place of, I have no idea what the next step is. I honestly think like if a step presented itself, I would have grasped at it, but I didn't have anything. So I was starting from scratch. And so I think that forced me to experiment. And now, I mean, now that you say this, like now fast forward, you know, five years, I realized the importance of those seasons or that time, that time, even within a busy season of giving yourself space to relax and be bored and think like that's where all of creativity and your inspiration and these sparks come from. Like you cannot create from a place of like chaos and panic. You know, it's like, you can't white knuckle it. You have to kind yeah. of give yourself time to really even figure out like, and observe, you know, like you're not observing if you're so in that mindset of like, go, 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 let me figure it out. And I think it takes a lot of like being curious, like, huh, oh, this is an interesting idea, but you can only do that from a place of rest. And I think I have become a really, a lot better of allowing myself, even in the seasons when I'm busy, there's days where it's like, I just, am, I realize I'm not productive and I'll just tell myself, I'm like, Hey, today I'm just not going to work. I know I need to work. I know I have a ton to do, but I'm not doing it anyway. So I might as well give myself a day to just like be. And it's always like either that brings me back and I'm more productive or I have sparks of inspiration or I think of something or I, you know, I'm like just on my phone and I'll find something that I wouldn't have found normally. And so I think like we need to stop like beating ourselves up about like, this ridiculousness of like trying to be productive all the time. I and mean, no, nothing in nature is like that. No, but you know, no creature. And so like honoring the fact that like your body needs rest and your brain needs rest and you need to like give yourself time to just be and enjoy life and just relax. So I've definitely learned that lesson. And I think it's so important in any type of um, journey. I totally agree. It's a hard lesson yeah. for me to learn. Like it's so uncomfortable. It's not my favorite, but you know, the second I get slammed again, the, the more the I start yearning for a slow, an ability yeah. to slow down. And so I'm really trying to um, look at it as seasons of running and seasons of resting and knowing that when I'm running, I'll be resting at some point. And when I'm resting to maybe book that flight home to visit my family. So I'm not freaking out sitting at right. home, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, it is, man, entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. <laughs> so can you tell us kind of what have you learned in these last five years? You went from probably a pretty demanding job in law, um, and moved into entrepreneurship, which probably seemed like it would have its perks, but also has its challenges. What are some of the differences you see? What are, what are some of the things you've learned, um, in making this big move and how it's evolved over the last five years? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely obviously pros and cons and challenges to, to everything. I think, again, the biggest thing that I've learned, I think when you're in a kind of a traditional setting and when you've done that traditional path, uh, um, I don't, I, I don't want to say that like 
you're not, not that you're not, I don't know how to even word this. Like there's a path laid out for you and you follow it. Okay. Like yeah. even the car, the ladder is there and you figure out what, how do you get to the next ring and the ladder? And like, you just keep climbing up and you have, now you make partner, now you do whatever. And, um, and so there is a little bit of safety in that or comfort in that, that you don't have to figure that out, but it's also kind of stifling, right? It's like, you just have to go in whatever direction people tell you. And, and I think you lose some of your creativity. And, and so one of the hardest things about entrepreneurship for me, again, like being this rule follower, kind of like type A, like wanting to know what's next. It's really difficult because there is no, like what you decide what's next. Like there is no path. There's there's no right way. There's no one way you could do it. You know, you look at businesses, people are doing, are handling their businesses in a million different ways. And so in the beginning, that was really uncomfortable for me. Like one of the overwhelming things that I couldn't figure out is like making a decision because i never knew what was the quote unquote right decision. Right. Yes. So it's like, what do I do with this like company now? What do I do at this point? Do I spend my money on marketing or do I spend it on, you know, operations or sales or, you know, whatever it is, or do I spend my day doing this? And now that's one of my favorite. Now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't handle it if I was just doing the same thing every single day. And like someone is just telling me like, okay, now we're we're still going to just write this motion today. We're still doing the same. And I love the fact that I'm like, there is no rules, but you have to embrace it. Like you have to get to a place where you can embrace it and realize this is the exciting part that like there is no right answer and there's no wrong answer. And you make, you just have to learn to make those decisions and then pivot. Like maybe you take two steps and you realize, okay, like this isn't working out for it for me. So I'm going to pivot and go this other direction. And so there's a lot of freedom in that. And I think in the beginning, that freedom can be very scary, but once you can really accept, like accept it, it's very liberating because you know that there is just so much possibility. There's so much out there. There's so many things you can do and you're not limited. And so I think that's been like the biggest change for me between the two. Oh, man, I could I could just like piggyback on all of that because yes, yes, yes. Like there's a trade-off with the risk. There is a reward of right. like variety and mm-hmm. exhilaration. Um, but sometimes that stability isn't there. And so yeah. um it is it is it has been quite a learning curve for me. Um and I, I think I've been describing it lately as like you get over one hump and you're like you kind of think like, oh, I got through the hard season. Like it's only up from here, but it's more like um, driving through rolling hills, like up, down, up, down. Like, you know, obviously stability is the goal, um, but starting anything, it takes time to get there. And I think, I think we're starting to see, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts on the difference between kind of your local in-person business and the online space. But I think in the Mm -hmm. online space specifically, we're starting to see a leveling out, but we don't open, you know, a restaurant and think it's going to be profitable in 30 days um, in our local communities. And sometimes we have these like crazy expectations for online businesses, probably because it was kind of like a bubble. And if you got in early, there was a lot of success, but now it's kind of leveling out because it's more saturated and there's more competition. And that's, very normal for local business owners to experience, but it's, you know, we had all this language in the online space that made it seem so easy and magical and attainable. And so I'd love to hear kind of what you notice as the difference between running two different types of businesses. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, I'm sure like there are, are people that have had, you know, very fast success. And in the online space, and even, you know, I'm sure there's some brick and mortar stores that start out and maybe they did the branding right. And they just kind of took off right from the beginning. I typically think that that's not even true for the online space. What I, what I see a lot of times, and I, 
I now, because I don't know, maybe this is like the lawyer in me or the investigator. I like try to dig deeper because sometimes I just think it's marketing. And I think it's like the story that we like to sell where that's an easy sell and it's easy for people to grasp, like make six figures in six months, you know, and it, we all kind of know it's BS. And I, I always look at people like I've followed a bunch of people in the online space who had relatively quick success. And then when you dig into their history, you've seen like, oh, they've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. And like, this was their eighth, you know, venture. And they were kind of already dabbling in blogging and whatnot. And then when all this social media and like Instagram, like they were, they knew to jump in. And so again, that's like all of their past experience that helps them become this quote unquote overnight success, you know? And so I think that that it's also maybe not a totally true that it's people just jumped in and didn't know what they were doing. And that's what I like to think about. It's like everything that you're doing now is going to put you in a better position. Maybe this isn't, you know, going to be a like run like wildfire and be a huge knockout success. Maybe your next thing will, you know, but until you're kind of in that arena, learning the lessons, figuring out what the next thing is, like, you're never going to get there, you know, like you're never going to get there on the sideline. So I look at it that way. Obviously I think between local brick and mortar or like a you know, I have a product-based business versus an online business. There's tons of difference. And again, both good and bad. I think, um, I think an online business is a lot easier to start. There's not a lot of overhead. It's a lot easier to, in, in that sense, like you can be up and running in a week or a month or whatnot, where I think with a product, obviously you can't. Um, so, so I do think there is that, but I think both of them, I I think people are, will, are very misguided to think they're going to jump in the online space and it's easy. Like finding your audience is a difficult thing. Selling to an audience is a difficult thing, no matter what you're doing. You know, it's figuring out that message, figuring out your marketing, attracting people, selling all of that's kind of the same. It's just, um, you know, with a different type of medium, I guess. Yeah, I I am so with you in the sense that it, it seems like it's going to be easy, but I think and there are some easier things. There's a lower barrier to entry, mm-hmm. you know, which I love accessibility for people wanting to start a business, yeah. but people are signing up for an ever changing landscape. And yeah. so um, I think that's what we don't talk about in this online space is like it is it's relatively new. So naturally, it's always going to be changing and evolving. Oh, and, you know, you get that Facebook ad just right. And then something changes and all of a sudden, like your $2 leads were twenty are now 20, you know? And so you are signing up for a lot of changes quickly. Um, whereas sometimes, you know, you can get in a groove with a local business. Um, and so, and, and, and it, and it just works, you know, um, you're still adapting and evolving, but you know, it just works locally. And so, um, it's just, it's just really interesting. And I love to have these conversations because I think it's really important to, to shed light on the honest behind the scenes of things, because it's really, I really naively got roped into these, like Mm -hmm. make a million dollars in six months or whatever. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, these people are spending almost the same amount to make that back. And it's a fluffy vanity metric. And so, and nowhere else in life do people flaunt their numbers like they do in the online business space. And so it's really interesting um, to just observe as a fly on the wall. It definitely is. And I think it's, it it is, I don't know, it gets, I think it does get questionable, like how the tactics are, because I think it's like, some of it is really disingenuous. I think some of it is, is right. It's true. And I do think that's the easiest way to hook people because we are like 
primed to look for, you know, wanting not get rich quick schemes, but like wanting to make money. I mean, so many people want to have that freedom and want to be entrepreneurs and want to get away from these jobs that they hate. And I agree with you. I think it's great that there's so much more opportunity now. I wish people were more honest about what it actually takes, because I still think that there's a ton of reason to do it, but I just it's better. I wish people had more managed expectations that like, okay, I'm in this for the next three to five years. Not like, you know, I'm going to do this. And within six months, I'm going to be making a ton of money. Totally. I I think that it's important to have these conversations because it it helps prevent dissolution. Um, and I, I just think we've got to, I think we might be doing people a disservice by consistently feeding into that. That's the marketing message we use, which I have talked about like all summer. I loved um, my own irresistible brands messaging during their last launch because they kind of burnt it all down and were like, this Mm. is not true. Um, They have a free newsletter. If you just look up my own irresistible brand, um, Unhidden was their series on this specifically. And if you Google that, like you'll find it. But it's so, it's so honest about like, Hey, we spent $84,000 on Facebook ads last year and it didn't work, you know? And so it's like, wow, like they really burnt everything down in a way that I've been yearning for someone to just lay it all out there. Um, and I just hadn't gotten around to writing my own newsletters about it. So I'll just refer people to them. (laughs) Um, what have you, what are some of the lessons that you've learned most in your own journey of quitting and or learned most um, that have been most prominent um, in your own journey of quitting. And then you have this conversation every week over on your podcast. So tell Mm -hmm. us like, what are some of the things that have stuck out to you um, in, in this conversation around quitting? Because I think um, some people can have a lot of shame in quitting totally. and actually quitting can set you up for the next best step in your life's journey. And sometimes we have to make room for what's next before we know what's next. And right. that might mean quitting. Um, that's certainly been my own story. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I just did, well, like a month ago I did, we had our one year anniversary and I didn't episode, I think it's episode 55, where I did the 10 lessons that I learned from talking to over 55 quitters. And the thing is, is, you know, we always think that like, like, we're unique, like our situation and unique in both good and bad ways. Like we think like, oh, you know, everybody else has their life together and I'm the only one that doesn't, or I, I procrastinate as if like everybody else doesn't procrastinate, you know? And so we have these things that we kind of put ourselves down. And I, what I've loved about the podcast is that it doesn't matter what industry I'm talking to people, like where they quit from, what they're doing now, the same exact thing comes up in every single interview. And so it's just been really clear to be able to see that like some of the themes that I've seen from my own journey and I see from everyone I talk to that reached out is out to me through the podcast um, that's struggling with this is like a couple of things is one is like the fear will never go away. Like a lot of times people are waiting to quit until they're like not afraid, but that will never happen because we are like primed. We are evolved to fear the unknown. So if you're doing something that's big, and especially if you are surrounded by people that have bought into the, you know, climb the corporate ladder, get security, make sure you like are always doing the safe thing, you will feel crazy for wanting to leave that, you know? And so I think that if you're waiting for that moment, that moment will never come. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan or that you shouldn't have more of an idea of maybe what you want to do, or you shouldn't really think critically about whether you should be leaving a career that you've worked in, you know, but 
at some point you have to take the leap, even with the fear. Everyone I've talked to, every person that I've had, like gone on to have these incredible successes, build like multi-million dollar businesses, find their like life's passion. All of them were like, I kept thinking I'm crazy for doing this. Like, I cannot believe I'm doing it. Like, I was so scared. I was, I was like racked with anxiety. And so I just want people to understand that, that like, we all feel that there there's, I have had people who have like built a side hustle while they're having their career and they've built their side hustle to like making double what their salary was. Right. So they're clearly successful in what they want to do. And they still were too fearful to quit. They kept thinking, well, I kept saying like, what if it all goes away? You know? And so I just want people to understand that, that like this fear does not go away until you kind of take control of it and realize one, one exercise, Tim Ferriss actually has a Ted talk about it. That's a really great exercise that people can do. It's called, instead of goal setting, it's called fear setting. And so you just take your fear to the extreme. You Because a lot of times our fears are unchecked and they just run on a loop in our head. And we don't really even realize that we're like that afraid. It's just running in the background. And when it's unchecked in our mind, it seems like it's rational, but it's like this insane thing that we think is going to happen. And when you actually put it on paper and you go like, what is the extreme? It's like, you're not going to end up you know, homeless under a bridge, like you will course correct, you know, like if all things fail, like you can get another job, you can go figure out something. Right. But we don't think that we think like our whole life, like the world is just going to swallow us up. So I think like doing something like this, where you really just take your fear to the extreme and you realize, okay, that's not actually what's going to happen. It can kind of give you more of a handle of like, how do I deal with the worst case scenario? And like, once you realize you can deal with it, then it gives you more control over that fear to be like, I can do this. So I think like, you know, that is probably the main, uh, takeaway that I've had from, um, from my, my own experience and from everybody else's. I think the other thing that people should realize is that again, this whole thing of like, there is no right or wrong decision. I think a lot of what keeps us stuck is like, we're waiting to figure out what that perfect plan is going to be what the next, like we want to know how we're going to get to Z. And it's like, nobody ever knows that. And nobody knows what they're doing. We're just all taking like one step after another. And you have to take those steps in order to realize, hey, is this working? Is it not? I should pivot. Like you'll never think your way out, you know, into this successful business. Like you, ha- you know, it's like, you can read about swimming all day long until you actually get in a pool and try to swim. You won't learn, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's the same thing with entrepreneurship, with anything. It's like, you can read, you can take every marketing course, you can take, you know, you can learn everything about online business, but until you put it out there and you start seeing like, what's resonating with my customers, what's not, does my brand work, does it not, maybe I should change this and start going through that uncomfortable growth, you're never going to have anything. And so um, I think a lot of times we wait way too long, like no one feels ready, nobody feels like they know it all, they just start. So like, again, I, I would say like my biggest message is like, just do it scared, just start and figure it out as you go along. Yeah. I mean, I think that realization has been so important to me and I feel like I constantly relearn it like every six months yeah, exactly. <laughs> of just like, Oh, it's going to feel scary. And it's normal to feel scary. You're never going to pr- feel prepared. We're all on this loop of living right. under a bridge. And, um, I think that even being in a room with 30 leaders last week, realizing I'd look around and think, oh, she's killing it. (laughs) Or like, she's doing this. And all of us, all of us were struggling with, I don't feel 
Like, I don't know if it's going to work out and am I going to be okay? And what's going to happen next? Like so many of us were in big transition and I knew I was going in with big transition, but I didn't know at least 50% of the room. I would never have guessed from their social media that they were too. And so I think that it's like your work in the conversations you're having is so important because it normalizes that we feel that way. Like we are all going to feel that way. Um, and having experienced, you know, we've had this conversation over on your podcast. I mean, I went through totally being forced to lay down something and quit quitting something kind of that I knew I needed to quit, but it felt like kind of like, we're just going to rip the bandaid off and like, (laughs) you know, lay it down. Um, I lived my worst fear of, you know, the big profitable business not working out. That was all of our life expenses covered through that. Um, And I had to just pivot fast. Actually, I didn't pivot fast because I had to just wait and let it be slow. (laughs) Um, But I I felt like I had, I felt like, oh my God, all my options were just ripped away from me. Um, I was okay. I was like, okay, that's a pretty good lesson to learn at 29. Like, I'm not going to end up with nothing. Like if all else fails, I have friends I can live on their couch, you know, <laughs> exactly. and that didn't even have to happen, you know? Right. And so I think we're so scared. I, speaking from a place of, I have a mortgage, I have to pay my bills. Like when things don't work out, it's not just roses and sunshine and butterflies, but still it's going to be okay. And Absolutely. so that was a big lesson for me. Well, and that's, I mean, I, I, I commend you because that's a really courageous thing to do because the thing is, is that most people wouldn't. It's like, once you have something profitable, even if it's killing you, people just push through because of that fear, because, you know, you're thought of as like, oh, am I crazy to walk away from something that is working? And I think that once once you do it once, it becomes easier because you become more in tune. I think like the biggest thing is kind of becoming in tune with what is serving you and what isn't. And if something is killing you inside, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter how much other people think you're successful. It doesn't matter. Like none of it matters, right? Like you're here on this earth for such a short, like a blink of an eye. Like you have one life. It sounds so cliche, but it's like you have this one life to experience things and to try to make yourself as happy and as, you know, in align with what you want to do. And so we need to, but that's like a constant lesson. Like we constantly myself, like you get distracted and you're like, Oh my God, I mean, I need to make more. I need to make more. And then you have to bring yourself back. And it's like, but why do I have to make more? What Uh is the purpose? You know, like, why am I doing all this to like kill myself? And, and I think that, you know, I really do commend you for being able to walk because it's easy to walk away from something that's failing, right? It's like it wasn't working. And so we had to shut it down. It's a lot harder to walk away from something that's a success and say, you know what, this still isn't serving me and I'm going to figure out something else. Yeah. I mean, I will say chronic body pain is okay. not worth $20,000 months. No. And that, you know, I I was just harping on people for like, we all share our numbers, but I share that to say like, that's what I had to lay down. You know, that's what I had to, you know, let drop to zero overnight And, but still like my peace and living without pain and crippling anxiety is so much better than having that. And so, um, it's been a really big year of learning how to, how to quit. 
um, and how to lay things down. And, and like you, like I was the all-star student. I love affirmation. I love being excellent right. at things. And so quitting was really, um, there were a lot of emo- emotions tied up in that as well. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so, okay, man, golly, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> what would you have to say to just kind of our listeners trying to figure it out? And of course they can go, hear more of what you have to say over on your podcast, because I think they're going to want to continue the conversation. But what would be some top tips you have for them? Because I know this is a really, this is a conversation that at some point in life, we will all have to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you feel free to listen to the podcast as we go into all this stuff all the time. You can just find it lessons from a quitter everywhere, but kind of just going back. I mean, I know it, we've talked about it. We've touched on it a little bit. And again, I feel like sometimes I just talk in cliches and so I get it, but, um, they're cliches for a reason, I think, cause they're true. But you know, I, what I've been learning through this whole program, like through my whole journey is we always talk about like how it's not the destination, it's the journey. And we all know this and we've all experienced it in our life where we thought we're going to get somewhere. And like, then I'll be happy once I get the husband or the kids or the career or the money or whatever, like then everything will be great. And then we get there and it's not, and we realize like, that's not what's going to fulfill us. Or there's, there is also a downside to it. And that's with everything in life. And I think the sooner we realize that, and we realize like, it really is just that destination and the journey. It's really like what you're doing on the day to day. I think for me, that becomes really my compass of like my inner compass of like listening to what I want to do is, is, it like this business that I'm doing, whichever one it is, like I constantly check in and think, do I like doing this every day? Is this something that I want to do for the next year, two years, three years, five years, because I enjoy it. Not because it's going to make me X amount of money, because I know once I get to that, I'm just going to move that goalpost. Like now I'm going to want double that money. Now I'm going to want, you know? And so it's like, what are you doing with your life that like you get to spend this one life enjoying it however you want. Like, are you doing things that light you up? Are you doing things that like every day you're waking up thinking like, I'm excited. Like, yeah, sure. We're not going to hundred percent of the time do tasks that we want to do. But for the most part, is it something that lights you up? Is it something that you love? And if it's not, then start reevaluating, start thinking like, what is it that lights you up? What is it that you want to be spending your days doing? What, you know, stop. We look so often to like what other people think like, what other people's definition of success or happiness or fulfillment. And we get caught up in that. We chase that. And then we get there and we're like, wait, I don't really want this. So I think it's really just important to get super clear on your own definition of like, what does success mean to you? What does happiness mean to you? What does fulfillment mean? And what can you be doing every day that leads you to that, whether that's in your work or not, but like really stop putting off that, like stop putting off happiness until you get to something or success until you get to something because you're going to get there and you're still not going to feel successful or happy or whatever. It's, it's really just like a day to day, you know, in the minutia of life and all of the hustle and bustle, like what can you be doing that really lights you up? And I feel like I use that as my inner compass. And I think it can help people that kind of feel stuck, um, figure out like what it is they want to be doing. I love that. I'm so with you because I too, you know, the second I hit one milestone, the bar just raises. And so um, I just have really like had to get to a place and consistently work on like, what is the mile marker of joy? Because we know it's not money when you live having it and um, it's still not moving the needle day to day on your anxiety or peace or joy. And so um, I am so with you of just really, 
really measuring like what makes my soul come alive. Mm -hmm. And so Golia, I could talk to you all day long. I love your podcast. I love the conversations you're having over there. I had such a fun one with you on it. Where can everyone find you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I l- always love talking to you and I, and everyone should check out your episode on the podcast too, because it was such a great one. And your story is so inspiring. Um, you can find me at lessons from a quitter, basically on, I'm mostly on Instagram. You can DM me and say, hi, I would love to chat. Or you can find the podcast, um, really anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called lessons from a quitter, or you can go to, I guess, lessons from a quitter.com too, and just find everything. Awesome. I'll be linking you up. And it was such joy to have you on goalie oh it was my pleasure thank you so much again for having me hey don't go yet i would love it if you go over to itunes right now and leave a review i love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the radiant podcast name out there and while you're at it why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on facebook or instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.